KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Researchers at the A.J. Drexel Autism Institute recently published some interesting work on autistic individuals and the caregivers of autistic individuals, focusing on their interactions with the criminal justice system. Now, the research was based on a statewide survey in Pennsylvania, and the lead researcher was Caitlin Coffer-Miller. She is Director of Policy Impact at the Policy and Analytics Center at the Autism Institute. Had the chance to talk with her about this research. It's interesting stuff. Give a listen. Kind of what was the impetus for this research, for this the, the survey that you took here? What was the genesis of it? Sure. So the Pennsylvania Autism Needs Assessment is a hallmark initiative of the ASR Collaborative. It gives us an opportunity to survey autistic individuals and their families, caregivers, siblings, other supporters, to hear qualitatively and quantitatively what their service experiences are. So everything from demographics, so where people are living, where they're getting services to their experience clinically. So if they've had any inpatient hospitalizations or any clinical services they received, education, employment, and then for this paper, the criminal justice system and interactions with with that aspect. So we wanted to focus on the criminal justice angle. What did you find? We learned so much from the voices of autistic individuals and their families from this survey about intersection between autism and the justice system. Some of our main findings that we reported in our paper were that among autistic adult respondents, males were more likely than females to be stopped and questioned by police, to be arrested or charged with a criminal offense, or to have any citation where we saw that females were more likely to be the victim of a crime. Uh, Having a co-occurring psychiatric or mental health diagnosis like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder in addition to the, the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis had an increased odds of an intersection with the justice system. And it also had an increased odds of being the victim of a crime as well. Because we did ask in the survey about both the experiences as a victim and as an offender, any intersection. We also found that a higher household income greater than $40,000 a year served as kind of a protective factor against being the victim of a crime, as well as living with a support system, like a roommate or family member was protective amongst autistic individuals. We also did a lot of qualitative analysis of free text response. Um, I'm a qualitative person kind of by nature. That's my, my area of focus and interest. So we looked at all of the responses when, you know, in a survey it says, please provide additional comments if you feel comfortable. And people described incidents, breadth of different experiences, everything from um, that their child was bullied to um, that they had been had experienced sexual assault or that they had had a positive experience or a negative experience with uh, law enforcement or the justice system. So about a quarter of respondents who provided that free text answer described being the victim of a crime, about a quarter described being involved in a criminal offense, either uh, confirmed or suspected. A small number of folks talked about being the witness of a crime, sometimes domestic or seeing something out in the community. People talked, like I said, about negative versus positive experiences. And there was a small number of people, but I thought it was very notable, who described both on the parent and on the um, autistic adult and described that they have a fear of something happening, that they would have an interaction in the justice system. So while it wasn't a large number of responses, it felt very powerful and notable and something I wanted to call out in the study. Is there a feeling the autistic community feels it's being understood within the justice system, being treated fairly 
Were you able to kind of get a feel for that? I think that's definitely a mi- probably a mixed bag of, of responses. Like I said, there were some people who felt like they had really positive experience with law enforcement and they felt they were understood by the justice system. But there were also folks who felt that that was not the case. And I can't speak as an autistic person or as the family member of an autistic person. But from kind of the research standpoint, I think that there is a lot of room and need for additional training and awareness in the justice system about what autism looks like, how it presents. Autism is a spectrum disorder, so it can present in a wide variety of ways. And there's, I think some folks may not know, may not have the same experience or perception to be able to see that breadth. And that if you see someone behaving in a certain type of way, they have some sort of externalizing behavior and it's presenting some way in the community and a law enforcement officer, some other justice professional witnesses that they don't, aren't necessarily seeing autism and they're not quite sure how to approach. So I think that there's definitely a need for increased awareness of autism, other neurodevelopmental disorders and mental health too, because there's a lot of overlap in what approaches would be most beneficial there. We've had a lot of talk over the last year or so about kind of reimagining law enforcement. And it seems to me this is something that would fall under the umbrella that everyone would really benefit from the idea that we don't send police to everything, that we have social workers that could go, that would be much more attuned to the why rather than just the offense or the crime or the call. Is that something you would like to see? Do you think that would be beneficial? Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of innovative model programs and pilots going on, there's something called the co-responder model, where it would be a law enforcement officer with some other crisis or mental health or social work kind of personnel that would be attending to a situation if it is someone who's presenting in a way that perhaps presence of law enforcement might escalate a situation or cause more anxiety and where perhaps more of just like a crisis intervention is what's needed. So I think seeing programs like that implemented more widely and thinking about thinking outside the box of when there is a 911 call or something else that's coming in. You know, in Philadelphia, they are working on the co-responder model some other places in Pennsylvania and more broadly. There's a lot of benefit to thinking about how an additional support of someone who has an expertise and experience in behavioral conditions or autism or mental health could really bring that de-escalation and that understanding to the table and also be thinking about why the person was in the situation that they were in, what sort of externalizing behaviors were occurring, and what services and support should they be connected with to prevent that from happening in the future. Getting back to your research, was there anything that really kind of jumped out at you that either positive or negatively that you really found interesting and something that needs to be looked at deeper or addressed more? I think that the the proportion of people who are afraid of an interaction occurring, I think that's something that needs to be looked into more. Obviously, there's a lot to that. There's going to be differences in experience by gender, by race and ethnicity, by age. And so when parents or individuals on the spectrum are afraid of that incidence occurring, what could be done to prevent that or what could be done to ameliorate what services and supports in the home and community could prevent a situation from occurring. So I think thinking about how families and individuals on the spectrum can be supported so they don't have those same fears of an interaction to make sure that they have the adequate supports to prevent and have skill building to make sure that they have the tools that they need to have an effective interaction or prevent the interaction from ever occurring. I also think that there's a lot of room to look into 
I mean, there's plenty of on-ramps onto the justice system of when you have an interaction with law enforcement or other parts of the justice system. And then looking at where the off-ramps are, so where there needs to be diversionary programs to, again, like I said, kind of get back into thinking what systems and supports are needed to support someone in their home and community as opposed to a penal institution. I think that there's a lot of room to be thinking about that prevention aspect, the proactivity and less of the reactivity, I suppose. How much progress have we made in understanding people with autism and with the idea of, you know, how they interact with systems and institutions? And we're talking about the justice system here. I'm sure there is still a lot of work to do, but have we made good progress in kind of understanding what these folks need and bringing it to the table so that they can be served as well as everyone else? I think that the field of autism intersection with the criminal justice system is definitely growing and there's a lot of research being done. I think there's definitely still a lot to be learned. There's been an increasing amount of attention and research, which is wonderful. A couple of my colleagues just are are working on some um, research internationally looking at through work that was funded through the uh, International Society for Autism Research, looking at the international perspective of the support needs and the intersection of autism and, and the justice system. I think that in general, autism as a field is growing a lot and there's a lot of a better understanding of the support needs. But I think specifically within the context of how someone's interacting with the justice system, because it's a little bit newer of a a research area within the field, more attention is, is definitely something that would be beneficial, especially including the voices of autistic individuals and their families to ensure that that is the the driver behind policy and practice and change. Is this research you plan to revisit? Is this something that you would like to kind of continue to come back to, to kind of measure progress and measure trends and stuff like that? Yeah, I would love to come back to this. We conducted this survey a few years back. I think revisiting it in the future to see how the needle is moving would be a great next step. And I also think that additional, even diving deeper into the sample of folks that we have to learn more about the the experiences of autistic individuals and their families qualitatively. So we can do, a, like you said, a deeper dive into this issue. So you can really learn about the nuances of what people are experiencing. Each story is so very different. So it's really powerful to hear from individuals in the factory and their family directly to have those stories drive what the research area that we're focusing on. And I think when people hear about discussions of kind of the intersection of autism and the justice system, I think there might be a knee-jerk reaction to think that it's going to be negative, that it's going to be people that were accused of things they didn't because they maybe just presented differently and stuff like that. But you did mention that there were positives. What were some of the positive things that people saw? Because I think that's interesting and that could tell a lot of what maybe what we're doing right. Yeah, I think there were definitely times where people described feeling really supported when 911 responders or first responders came to a house in the case of a crisis and felt like they were really there to support the individual in the family and addressing the situation as best as they could. Some people had had really positive experiences going proactively to a police department, interacting with a law enforcement officer to get acquainted with them when a crisis is not happening. I felt that they, the officers were really looking to to learn and looking to um, make sure that they can address the needs of the individual as best as possible. So I think that those are, we do through our CERT collaborative training efforts, we do a lot of trainings for law enforcement and justice system professionals, but also for um, justice system professionals, for providers who are supporting individuals on the spectrum, family members and autistic individuals themselves. 
And one of the things that we recommend is when a crisis situation is not happening, that is a good time to get acquainted and be able to ask questions about law enforcement officer, have it not be the first intersection be a negative one, be something when a crisis is occurring and when there's not really time for like a learning experience in that moment. So I think some of those positives, like you said, really could be drivers for model implementation more broadly. You know, specifically the negative, was it mostly just the being the victim of a crime or were there at the other end of the spectrum where people felt like they kind of got steamrolled because investigators or whoever it is, I don't want to just dump on police, but didn't want to deal with asking the extra questions or stuff like that. Or did you get a sense from that standpoint? Yeah, I think some of the, the negative perceptions, some of that boiled down to some of the fear that I talked about that either based on an experience or just kind of a feeling more generally a fear of having an intersection or interaction with law enforcement. Some folks in the negative perception just felt that the justice system professionals were not adequately trained and were not aware of autism, especially because autism is an invisible disability. It's not something you can necessarily see by looking at someone. And the presentation could vary so greatly, like I said earlier, with autism being a spectrum disorder. I think that there were certainly, and there was descriptions of maltreatment that some people described. There's a lot of different variants in the, the negative experience that people had, but some of it, I think, boils down to a lack of feelings of a lack of awareness and how a justice system professional didn't know how to approach autism. As someone who is immersed in this world, the findings of this give you feel like the needle's moving in the right direction, or was it, it kind of such a mixed bag that it doesn't really move it positive, negative? How do you overall from 30,000 feet come away from this research? from a really high level perspective, I think that the findings that we had, I wouldn't necessarily say are moving it in one direction or another. I think it does highlight points of where intervention could be beneficial and where additional training or support or follow through or research is needed. I think it's always very exciting to hear, like I said, directly from autistic individuals and their families. And because we had such a wide variety of samples in, in Pennsylvania, which is a very diverse kind of geographically, racially, otherwise state, I think that it provides a lot of information for us to propel and move forward activities that can move the needle. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>